0: Hello, and welcome to the Sustainalytics podcast. My name is Melissa Chase, and I'm a member of the marketing team here at Sustainalytics. In today's episode, uh, we'll be chatting with a couple of analysts from Sustainalytics healthcare and chemicals team about ESG developments in the agrochemical industry. Specifically, we'll be taking a deeper dive into the debate around the herbicide glyphosate and the regulatory implications for companies that produce this chemical. So, today I'm joined by Rita Ferreira, Associate uh, Healthcare Research Analyst at Sustainalytics. Hello. And also by Anna Bonomi, uh, Analyst as part of the Healthcare um, and Chemicals team here at Sustainalytics. Hello. So, thanks, Rita and Anna, for joining me today. Um, first, I wanted to get a little bit of an overview of the agrochemical industry like, what's the size of the industry globally, and who are, who are the main players?
1: Thank you for your question, Melissa. Uh, so it's important to note that companies within the agrochemical industry uh, are producing and distributing uh, pesticides and fertilizers that aim to increase the crop yield. And the industry is dominated by a few players. Uh, the latest estimates suggest that uh, there are big uh, f- four big players, which are Syngenta, which was acquired by ChemChina in June two thousand and seventeen. Dow DuPont, BASF, and Bayer, which was acquired, which acquired Monsanto in June two thousand and eighteen, and these uh, big four players collectively control over seventy five percent of the global agrochemical market.
0: Right. So this looks to be a rather large industry. Um, Rita, you mentioned a couple of acquisitions; the most recent being bears acquisition of monsanto in june Uh, what's so so what's behind this trend of mergers and acquisitions in the industry and what are some of the risks for companies that are merging Uh,
1: thank you for your question Uh, there are several reasons uh, why we have observed um, this uh, consolidation in the industry first of all we have observed recent fluctuations in currencies crop prices and crude oil prices And uh, these have affected the sales and profit margins of agrochemical companies in a negative manner. Additionally to this, uh, the cost of raw materials has also increased, uh, which means that farmers have reduced their spending on crop inputs. And this has translated into lower production and reduced sales for the agrochemical companies. And lastly, it's important to mention that companies are also facing increased shareholder pressure To create value through consolidation as their organic growth has slowed down. The consolidation in the industry comes as a result of companies wanting to increase their margins by benefiting from economies of scale, at the same time lowering their cost of production and increasing the efficiency of their research and development processes. Uh, What are the effects of this in the industry? Well, consolidation means that there is less competition, so if only uh, four to six companies control the market, this can represent uh, an entry barrier to new or smaller companies, uh, which may want to introduce new technologies or products in agriculture. If there are fewer players in the industry, this can also translate into a greater political influence, uh, which can become of concern. Uh, especially when it comes to the regulation's approval of hazardous chemicals that can impact um, both our health and also the environment. Uh, It's also important to note that consolidation can also have benefits uh, because companies can have access to more research and development resources. Uh, For example, um, and this could translate into social or environmental benefits, um, depending on the way the company chooses to use these new research and development resources. For example, if a company uses um, these resources to conduct research on viable alternatives to glyphosate, this could be seen as a positive use of these newly uh, acquired research and development resources.
0: Right. So, MAs obviously hold a number of risks and benefits for companies and their investors. Um, one of the largest M in recent history was Bayer's acquisition of Monsanto. So, what's your perspective on this recent merger, Anna? Maybe you can field this one.
2: Yeah, I'm happy to to answer to this question. So, just to give a little bit of background on this. Uh, uh, Acquisition already in 2016, Bayer, which is a German pharma companies company, which also producing pesticide and crop protection product, announced already its intention to buy Monsanto in a all cash deal for more than 60 billion dollars. The approval of this acquisition from the different uh, national antitrust authorities won- was uh, one of the biggest uh, hurdle. Uh, for this deal and uh, only in June 2018, so two years uh, later, Bayer completed its full acquisition of Monsanto, buying 100% of the company's share capital. This means that basically Monsanto shares are no longer traded on the New York Stock Exchange and Bayer now is the sole owner of the company and the the brand uh, the name monsanto does not exist anymore now is the new everything is under the new entity buyer So this was um, interesting to know is that this was the largest uh, acquisition in the pharmaceutical company's history, as well as also the largest acquisition by a German company on the international stage, which will, of course, increase the concentration in what is already very highly concentrated agrochemical sector, as uh, Rita very well explained before. So now Bayer is the world leader for agribusiness, uh, particularly with uh, regards to genetic genetic modify seeds, agrochemistry, and also crop protection.
0: All right. And now that Bayer is such a large player within the agrochemical industry, what are some of the, the risks that it's facing now that it's acquired Monsanto?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Whenever we look at this acquisition from the possible, let's say, ESG implications, uh, we expect uh, buyer to gain an outsized position in the agribusiness business, uh, uh, with also like possible significant impact on farmers and, and consumers, and this would uh, also raise long-term reputational a regulatory risk and also buyers risk exposure we see that has increased as it acquires Monsanto, which is a company that has already been criticized for a long time for promoting agro-agricultural practices that have been proven to to adversely impact humankind as well as biodiversity. If uh, a interesting and great example of this uh, increased risk exposure is um is the debate uh, debated topic of glyphosate, uh, which lately received quite high media coverage due to two specific events which happened in uh, in August two thousand eighteen, which is the cancer verdict of two hundred eighty nine million dollar against Monsanto, and also the Brazilian temporary ban of uh, all glyphosate based product.
0: Right. Glyphosate. So Anna, maybe you can take a step back and explain a bit about the scientific debate surrounding this particular chemical.
2: So um, there are multiple uh, scientific studies uh, which link the gly- any type of glyphosate-based po- product to endocrine disruption, also to DNA damage to, to cancer in humans and reproductivity toxicity. And the U.S. FDA also found some residue of glyphosate in honey and oatmeal products, including also baby food. And also the, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency reported that it found trace of glyphosate in more or less 30% of the food, which which it tested. But the most resilient study was published in 2015, and the study was made by the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is uh, an arm of the World Health Organization. This agency has classified glyphosate as probable cancerogenic in humans. However, um, despite all these different uh, scientific studies and evidence, the main national regulators, like for example the US Environmental Protection Agency, or like for example the European Food Safety Authority, they still concluded that glyphosate does not really represent a, a risk to humankind and biodiversity. In case the herbicide is used according to the to the product labeling. Lately, we have seen some developments on this topic, which are shedding some lights on the scientific debate. First of all, uh, for example, in November two thousand seventeen, the European Commission decided to extend the license for glyphosate in Europe for other five years, and this renewal can be considered short whenever we compare it to a normal and typical uh, 15-year lease.
0: Okay, so the lease was renewed for five years instead of the typical 15 years. So what does that mean for companies that make glyphosate? Um, This means that possibly
2: uh, European states are preparing themselves to find viable substitute to glyphosate, which would help uh, each state to phase out glyphosate and in the same time keep the same crop yield productivity. We have also observed uh, um, some countries in Europe, like, for example, uh, Italy, France and Germany, that they are trying to phase out already glyphosate uh, from their economy. And those uh, countries, they are driving uh, the shift. And also, most recent one is that in August 2018, there was uh, something exceptional happen, which is uh, very much likely to have great uh, impact on this topic. And what was that? Um, The cancer verdict, which I've already mentioned before, of $289 million, which was made against Monsanto by a California jury. Um, so, Monsanto has, uh, was ordered to pay this amount of money in damages in the first of possible other, uh, many other US lawsuits over the same topic. So, alleged link between glyphosate with killer and, uh, and cancer. Very interesting to know is that we have already seen an increase in legal risk for buyer following this cancer verdict because this op- the, it opened up uh, um, a floodgate of other similar lawsuits. We notice uh, a sharp increase of similar lawsuits from 5,200, which was reported before the cancer verdict, to 8,700 at the end of August 2018. And this is quite a huge increase, 67% uh, of lawsuits filled against Bayer. buyer. Uh, important to also highlight that this was the first verdict and that the company is currently in the process of appealing to this, to this uh, decision.
0: So given that this is just the, the first trial that the company's facing and that it, it's now facing multiple lawsuits with respect to glyphosate, how do you see this playing out for the company?
2: Yeah, so there are two possible scenarios on this uh, event, on this topic. So first of all, in case Monsanto's appeal will not go through, and this means that the plaintiff will win, this will create quite a big uh, real momentum for other plaintiff, uh, and also buyer in this case will need to rethink its position. But then on the other hand, if this uh, plaintiff will lose then Bayer is in a much better position to discourage some of these other cases and lawsuits that are pending. So the next trial is in October 2018. So let's see what will happen.
0: Right. Yeah, I guess it's in the hands of the courts. Um, So just going back to the debate over glyphosate, you know, you mentioned all of these adverse effects that have been found with the chemical and uh, these various agencies that have provided some warnings or found uh, residual chemicals in food supply. Um, But how do you explain why this chemical isn't currently banned in most of the world?
2: Yeah, so that's a very good uh, and interesting question and point. Um, yeah, so basically, maybe before um, ans- like answering to this question, it's uh, important also to say that the agricultural sector worldwide is entirely dependent on glyphosate as non-selective herbicides. And as of now... Um, We don't have any viable substitute for uh, glyphosate based herbicides. Um, So, basically, this means that um, if a ban on the use of glyphosate uh, were implemented, the impact would be highly felt by farmers and the agricultural sector, as the the crop yield productivity will sharply decrease. And this uh, would also be translated in a national economy. Um, that it would be negatively impacted. Uh, So um, let's take the, the most recent example, which is specifically highlighting this problem and probably would answer also your question. So in August 2018, there were a federal judge in uh, uh, in Brazil, which banned the use of any glyphosate-based crop protection product uh, for 30 days, uh, pending the, the Brazilian government's evaluation of the chemical toxicology. Um, however, in September 2018, the ban has uh, has been lifted. And the Federal Appeals Court ruled basically that nothing justified the suspension of the glyphosate-based product and that the ban was imposed without previous analysis of the grave impact it would have on the country's economy and on the product production in general. To provide you more context on these events, Brazil is one of the world's largest uh, users of glyphosate, especially in its soybean production system, with the majority of soybean produced in Latin America. And the agricultural product account for almost half of the Brazil's export, uh, and it's the, the world's biggest uh, exporter of soy. So a ban, a glyphosate ban without viable substitute to it uh, would just inflate huge on the brazilian economy
0: right of course so with respect to future restrictions do you see um, any risks for the companies that produce glyphosate like if this ban in brazil was lifted um, are other countries looking to to limit uh, the use of glyphosate
2: yeah, I would say that whenever Brazil would take the lead and would uh, would be able to ban uh, glyphosate, as is the biggest uh, economy, is the biggest basically country, more dependent on glyphosate. Uh, yeah, this would be a great example for any other uh, countries which are very much likely to to follow the suit and take and take the lead as well.
0: Right. Okay. Um, so let's wrap up but before we do i wanted to ask about possible solutions for investors who are looking to decrease their risks or their ESG risks i should say within you know the agrochemical industry what what steps can they take
1: Uh, Thank you for your question. That's a very good point. So, as previously mentioned, a ban on glyphosate would have a significant impact on agriculture production because there's currently no other herbicide in the market that can be considered as a suitable alternative when considering both cost and effectiveness. Uh, What we can look at is practices like uh, integrated weed management, which can help reduce herbicide use.
0: And Rita, what is integrated weed management?
1: It's uh, basically the control of weeds for a long-term management approach uh, by using several weed management techniques in combination. And these techniques can include physical control, chemical control, and also biological control. Integrated weed management is uh, highly labor-intensive when compared to relying on herbicides. So this is a point which should also be considered. Another uh, important trend which is uh, taking place is digital farming. Digital farming tools uh, can help farmers identify which crops are damaged by weeds and pests, and spray herbicide and pesticide only in the areas which are affected, and therefore reducing overall herbicide use by only applying the chemicals where it's really needed. And the way a robotic weeder, uh, which is um, the digital farming tool uh, works is, uh, first of all, the robotic weeder will scan the crop with a camera. It will identify the weeds, and it will only zap the weeds with the herbicide. And what we observe currently is that um, if digital farming tools uh, continue to be successful, what can happen is that some of the profit, which is currently in the hands of agrochemical companies, can shift to farmers and also to the companies which are actually manufacturing these equipments. And we have seen a response uh, from companies in the agrochemical industry. For example, Syngenta, which produces chemicals and seeds, uh, has pushed for the integration of artificial intelligence into farming tools during its data science competition which is called Syngenta for Artificial Intelligence Challenge. The issue with uh, digital farming, which companies should also consider, is that it's important to educate farmers so that they are able to use these tools in an effective manner. When, when engaging with agrochemical companies, which are marketing glyphosate-based products, uh, investors should analyze whether and how companies are implementing programs that are aiming to train farmers on the use of glyphosate-based products. Investors can also assess whether companies have in their product portfolio uh, digital farming tools or are considering to invest in such tools in the future. And finally, investors can also analyze and assess if companies are investing in the research and development of viable substitutes to glyphosate-based products, which would provide a solution uh, for this problem.
0: Great. Thank you for that. Sounds like investors do have quite a few options if they're looking to uh, reduce their ESG risks in this area. Thank you so much to Rita and Anna for joining the podcast today. I hope everyone found this quite interesting. If you'd like to have more details about glyphosate risks and what's happening in the agrochemical industry, I encourage you to check out our latest blog post um, written by Anna and Rita on our website. Thank you again, Anna and Rita, and hope to hear from you all next time.
2: Thank you. Thank you.